Um, but let's begin with prayer. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all things. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. There is nobody like you. God, thank you because in these times, during these days, we can count on you, God. There's a lot of uncertainty out there, Lord, but when it comes to you, there's no uncertainty, Lord. Everything that you say, everything that you've promised, everything, God, that you have committed to doing, God, you are absolutely faithful. And we thank you today, Lord, because we can rely and we can trust confidently in you. Lord, now as we begin to embark in your word, Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you speak to us. Lord, as always, the students don't need to hear from me, but they do need to hear from you. I need to hear from you, Lord. The teaching, that's not me. That, that has to come from you. So God, open our hearts, our minds, and our understanding. And Lord, if you'll do that, we're going to walk away from this with something we can use. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and praise God. Now, I want to invite all of you, um, <clears throat> those who are joining, by all means, you can go ahead and get yourself a pen and paper. Um, you might want to take notes. Again, if you do not want to take notes, we are actually recording this. Um, and so that link will be available um, at the, uh, will be available to those who want it. It won't be available exactly at the end of class, but you will be able to just let me know in the chat that you want it. Um, give your email address. And if I have your phone number, then um, just say I want it. And I'll go ahead and text that to you as soon as the, uh, the recording um, is ready. Um, the recording has already begun. Um, we're going to take a bit of a step back. I put this in the chat also, so you kind of have a, uh, you kind of know where we're going. So we are talking about the book of Psalms 20. Uh, uh, well, let me put it this way. We're talking about Psalms 27 in particular, but we want to take a bit of a step back. I realize that there are a lot of us who um, don't really have a background or understanding of the purpose of uh, the Psalms. Now, many of us have read the Psalms for years and we use the Psalms and we know much about the Psalms, but there are those um, who are joining or those who just never um, had anyone go into um, the depth of the meaning. Now, we won't be going a doing a super deep dive into the book of Psalms, but I do want to give you some context because there is a lot of lessons or a lot to be learned from the uh, from the books themselves, not just the entire content of the book, but the history and the purpose of the book. So the information surrounding the book, the book being put together when it was written and all of these sorts of things, all of these things work together to not only flesh out our understanding, praise God, but in that alone, you are able to see much from the character of God um, that, um, aspects that don't necessarily come out just when uh, when reading through the book. So understanding and knowing where it came from, what was God doing? What did he have in mind? The Bible teaches us that holy men spake as they were moved by the spirit of God. So that tells us where the Bible came from. So when it comes to the word of God, you didn't get somebody who just all of a sudden one day decided, hey, you know what? I want to write a Bible. No, you didn't have any of that. Not only was it important to God that we have words from him, it was important to him, even more important, probably arguably, that the words were intact, the words were pure, the words were undefiled, and that the words were reliable. Amen. 
So God didn't just allow somebody who, did, who had a notion or whim to start writing a book in the Bible and all of those sorts of things, contrary to what people will say, no, man did not just up and write the Bible. Now, when it comes to the word of God, God did use men to write the Bible, but he did not just use any men. He didn't use men that were on their own, you know, had their own agenda. He did not use men that just had something they wanted to get off of their chest. He did not use men that decided that they just wanted to sound prolific and all of these things. No, the Bible teaches us that holy men spake as they were moved by the spirit of God. Now, first point you need to understand is, is that they were holy men. This means they were separated. This means they were dedicated. This means that they had a lifestyle that wasn't like what some of us have. You know, we, some of us, we don't really, we aren't always uh, 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 caring too much about how we come off in the way that we walk. But you gotta understand to be a child of God, you have to be concerned about these things because your walk is important. So God used individuals that were holy. These people were separated. These people were dedicated. For those of you who might be Bible students, you'll recognize that um, kind of phraseology as a reference to the doctrine of, um, <clears throat> of, of sanctification which also means to be separated and to be dedicated. You're separated from something, amen, and then you're dedicated unto something else. In the case of when it comes to God, that simply means that we have been separated from this world, okay? And we have been dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ, to his purpose, and to doing what God has commanded of us in the word. Now, the book of Psalms, um, for many of you, um, your Bible, um, consists of uh, 66 books. You've got um, 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books. And so the books of the Bible um, have, a, uh, have a, a, a division that we call Old Testament, New Testament. And this is for those who may not know and there are those who will be joining, um, praise the Lord. So we have the Old Testament and the New Testament and the Psalms being located in the uh, in the Old Testament um, is a very interesting book because with the other books uh, of the Bible, okay, um, you can, uh, if you study long enough and get into it far enough, then what you will come across is uh, information regarding um, specific dates or close enough approximate dates as to when um, God used these authors or these holy men to write or to pen the words of scripture. You can find all of that. But when you get to the book of Psalms, it's very unique. It is very different. And this is one of the things that you want to keep in mind um, as you enhance and expand your understanding of the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, uh, what a lot of people don't often uh, realize is, is that the book of Psalms um, has multiple authors. Amen. God used multiple authors to pen the psalm. Uh, most, uh, it, now it is true, most people, um, their, folks, their first exposure into any type of uh, background information when it comes to the psalm is usually something along this lines. Well, David wrote the psalms. And that's partially true, but that's not totally accurate. Uh, most psalms are attributed uh, to, uh, to David. Amen. David, for those of you who are not aware, came out of the uh the tribe of of, of judah okay 
Um, he was the youngest son of Jesse. Amen. Um, David was also the uh, second king of Israel. All right. Saul being the first uh, king of Israel, um, David would be uh, the second king of Israel. David was different um, because under David, um, the 12 tribes of Israel, amen, represented by the sons of uh, Jacob. Each of the sons of Jacob would eventually become the heads of the, of the 12 tribes. These tribes eventually would uh, grow to a number, amen, um, an almost an uncountable number. They would grow, and eventually what would happen is, is that these people, or these, this tribe, these 12 tribes, would eventually become a single nation. Now, under David, the nation, okay, or the tribes of Israel were united, all right? So David is not just a king, but he's a king of the united tribe, 12 tribes of Israel, amen. That's good, that's important information because those of us who know um, some of our history and some of the background will know that the, while, the, the, while the, the kingdom or the tribes were united under the leadership of David, they wouldn't always remain so. Um, sin would eventually creep in and when sin creeps in, as it always do does, it causes death. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Amen. Death or sin will always erode a thing. Sin, unchecked, undealt with, will always cause things to fail. It will cause things to die. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. There are a lot of times where we think um, that nobody knows what it is that we're doing. Um, a lot of us got we have at times we we and it's sad to say, but we're all guilty of it. Many of us, you know, at times we engage in behavior that guess what? Bottom line, it's not up to it's not up to code. It's not up to standard. What standard are you talking about, brother Walker? We're talking about the Word of God. That's the only standard that actually matters. That is what what um, what is most important. Why? because there is a criteria. Um, I think everybody on here wants to make it to heaven. I know I want to make it to heaven. I, I Listen, with all the stuff going on, man, I cannot afford to miss heaven. And if you're listening to me, you can't afford to miss heaven also. But listen, sin will always cause you to miss heaven. Sin will always cause us to miss heaven. Not just that, but it goes deeper than that. Sin will cause you to miss out on immediate blessings. Sin will cause you to miss out and mess up relationships. When the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, brothers and sisters, God absolutely means that. The wages of sin or the consequences of sin will always be death. Death is not always immediate. Sometimes death is a process. And so what happens is, and, 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 the, and what gets us so confused at times in, as, as to thinking that we can get away with stuff is because death often is a slow process. So a thing doesn't autumn, is not always an instant kill. It's over a course of time, things begin to die, things begin to erode, things begin to deteriorate over a course of time. And so what happens is, is that the illusion of getting away with things that are not right, that are contrary to the word of God, 
is made so. We have that illusion because the consequences are not immediate, or at least they don't seem immediate. But if you engage in sin long enough, what is sin? The, the epistle of John tells us that sin is the transgression of the law. Transgression simply means it is the breaking of the law. What law are you talking about? The law of God, the commandments of God. Sin is the breaking of those commandments or the rule set of God. Whatever God tells us to do, when we go and do something contrary to that, we are in violation of the word of God. And what the writer wants us to know, especially in the book of, of, of Romans, um, it that the wages of sin is death. So the consequences of engaging in the consistent violation of the word of God might not be seen immediately, but give it some time because what's happening behind the scenes is that it is eroding and it is killing off things and before you know it, things that you were able to take advantage of, things that you had, things that um, were good, you're going to look up one day and all of a sudden those things are no longer there. So the book of Psalms for this, this kind of this background, and, we're not, and, and we, we'll get to, to Psalms 27 uh, when we get to it. But we want to make sure we have an understanding because of, of Psalms in general, because there's a lesson and there are many lessons in this. So Psalms was written by multiple authors, not just David. Um, there are, some of the Psalms are, are known. So, um, the author is known. Many of them um, are unknown. And some of the ones that are unknown are attributed to David. So not only are there a group of Psalms, a large group of Psalms that were definitively uh, penned by David, meaning God used David as the instrument. God uses people like you and I use a pen or a pencil. When you write a letter, when you write a letter, the question is, is who wrote that letter? You or the pen? Well, the, well, obviously the pen didn't write that letter. You wrote that letter. So too it is with the scripture. God used man and in the hands of God, man was but a pencil or a pen. And so God used holy men, men who were separated from this world, dedicated unto him, and he used them to write down scripture and used them to pen these books. Well, David penned quite a few number of the Psalms. And then there is a subset of the Psalms that um, is attributed to David. So that's why you get uh, kind of a knee-jerk response that David wrote the Psalms. But uh, keep in mind, uh, point number one, David did not write all of the Psalms. He wrote many of the Psalms. Now, the Psalms are typically arranged into five books. So, um, and let me back up and let me back up a minute. Because the Psalms were written by multiple authors, it is also why pinning down the exact date of the authorship or the collection of the book of psalms as it in its in its entirety is a difficult thing to do because the writers that god used to write the psalm the psalms is a collection okay of these writings but they from different authors that god used and here's the catch they authored or they wrote at different times so you do not have when it comes to the book of when it comes to the book of psalms you don't have what you have with some of the other books that you study in the Bible. You don't have 
an exact or, an, or uh, either an exact or a close enough approximation of the writing date of the book. Why? Because it takes, you have to take into account the, the different authors. So they, and they wrote at different times. So trying to understand when a, the Psalms was written, um, you probably do better researching when that particular Psalm was written because the book is a collection and that was all compiled at a certain time. But in the inception of this thing, in the writing of this thing, that occurred over a span of time and over many different authors that God used. Amen. Now, the Psalms, moving forward, are typically arranged in the five books. Now, this arrangement comes from the Hebrew Torah, amen, which basically covers the first uh, five books of the Bible, which is commonly referred to or known to us as the Pentateuch, amen. The book of Psalms is also arranged, amen, and this um, in a series or its first arrangements or its first division is probably a more accurate way to put that. The first division of the book of Psalms is into a subset of five books, amen. Verses, uh, excuse me, chapters one through 41 would consist of the first book. Chapters uh, 42 through 72 would be the second book. Chapters 73 through 89 would be the third book. Chapters 90 through 106 would be the fourth book. And then finally, 107 all the way through 150 would be the fifth book. Amen. That is the basic, that is the probably one of the highest level divisions of the book of Psalms. This division is not just something that somebody came up with. No, that's not what, what happened. However, you know, but this division is confirmed by both the Torah, which is the Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew scriptures, amen, Bible. And then it is also confirmed again in the Greek Septuagint. What is the Greek Septuagint? The Greek Septuagint is the, is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. So the, the, the Bible or the word of God um, as given and as recorded, amen, um, originally uh, in Hebrew. Uh, as years transpired and the uh, 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 all the way to the point of Roman occupation, the Jews were no longer a sovereign uh, nation in and of themselves. They were under the rule of Rome, as were a lot of the known world um, back then. When history progressed to that point where you had the, uh, the children of Israel, amen, being under the governorship or under the rulership of the Roman, uh, Roman Empire, the language that became predominant at that time, amen, was Greek. Greek became the common tongue or the common language. Now, because of this, because Greek had now become the common language, you had an interesting thing that occurred. Now, all of a sudden, the folks who've grown up under Roman rule, their native tongue or their predominantly spoken tongue is no longer Hebrew. Now it's Greek. And so what was happening was at the time, 
was was that they the the uh, Israelites, or at least those who were in Rome, though, or those who were under uh, the Roman uh, rulership, and this eventually what ended up happening was was that the people began to um, many of the people in certain territories were disconnected from their mother tongue. They were disconnected from their that ability, so to speak, or that knowledge of speaking Hebrew. When that happened, they and the common tongue became Greek. It became necessary for the scriptures to be translated into Greek so that they would so that those who no longer spoke the native tongue or spoke their native Hebrew would have the scriptures. All right. The Greek version of the scriptures would have been the scriptures that were in use um, by the New Testament, by the church in the New Testament. So the disciples and the word of God that was used by Jesus and so on and so forth. And then eventually the apostles and everyone else would have been known as the Greek Septuagint, which was the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures. Now, that um, um, this, the Septuagint and the Torah confirm all of both of these confirm this five book division. Okay, so they confirm that. And so when we say that it's broken into five books, it's not because somebody in some you know, scholarly person somewhere up and decide, oh, there are five. No, no, no. That's taken directly from um, the arrangement um, as far as the Hebrew, as far as the Torah, and as far as the Greek Septuagint. Now, these books, so we know that there are five books. Now, these books can further or be further subdivided in many ways. However, one of the common ways by in which it is subdivided, and there, I mean, and we, and we won't even get into all of this. We're not even going to try to get into all of this, but I want to give you enough to give you an understanding, a better understanding of the background of the Psalms and the use of the Psalms, because it will enhance your prayer. Listen, it will enhance every aspect of your walk with God. Now, these books can be further subdivided in many ways, but the one of the most common ways that people kind of break down um, even these, these five books is by themes and genres, okay? And when they do that, there's about seven of them that the scriptures or the Psalms can be broken into, right? You have about seven of them. And for those of you who are taking notes, um, you want to go ahead and write this stuff, write this down. Um, those of you who are not just listening along, that's fine as well. Again, we are actually uh, recording um, this session. Um, but we said that it can be further uh, subdivided into about seven sections or seven uh, themes or seven genres, so to speak. The genres as they uh, occur are, uh, the first genre is praise. Amen. Um, that's one of the or one of the first themes or categories that you can group the Psalms into um, is praise. One example of this would be uh, Psalms 92. And if you know that, and if you know that Psalm, that Psalm by heart, um, amen. But the, for those of you who don't, um, it's a good idea to go ahead and turn to Psalms 92 and take a look at it. Some of the most, um, some wonderful scriptures are there. Psalms 92, one says, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto his, unto thy name, O most high, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning 
and thy faithfulness every night upon an instrument of 10 strings and upon the psaltery, upon the heart with a solemn sound. So you will have this Psalm, Psalms 92 is but an example, amen. It's an example um, of praise. So there are other Psalms that are grouped into that. Psalms 106, Psalms 104, 99, 68, uh, Psalms 97. These are all examples of Psalms of praise, amen. You read these Psalms and in these Psalms, you learn or you become familiar with the praising of the Lord. You get to see God being praised, being lifted up, and you get to see him in many different ways. That's another benefit of the book of Psalms. Psalms will teach you how to praise. When you, uh, when you um, are um, new, and um, for those who, are, uh, who, who, who have newly been saved, amen, glory to God. So you follow what the Bible says and you've been born of the water and of the spirit. Amen. You've been, you have been born again as the Bible teaches according to what the Bible lays down in Acts chapter two, verses uh, 38. And you can just begin to read that. And I invite you to read that uh, on, on your own, because if you're not saved, if you have not been born again, that's what you got to do in order to get into God's kingdom. Listen, the church brothers and sisters, is not something that you can join. I'm going to say that again. The church is not something that you can join. You got to be born into the church. And the Bible calls this being born again. And the way you are born again is by the water and by the spirit. You don't just have one without the other. You got to have both of them. Jesus said, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit in no wise is that person at all. Don't, God don't even want you to be confused. You're not entering in to the kingdom of heaven. In fact, he goes so far as to say, you ain't gonna even see it. So that, so being born again is absolutely essential. And if you're listening today and you, and then you're on the fence about that or whatnot, listen, let all your questions be answered today you must be born again. You have got to be baptized of the water and of the spirit, amen. Moving back to Psalms, Psalms 92 and, and a bunch of others that I mentioned before. These are songs of praise, amen. And in it, what's wonderful is, is that you learn how to praise God. Many people who are new, I get questions and I've gotten questions all the time, you know, especially those who have been newly born again, you know, and they, you know, I'm not good at praise. I don't know how to do that. How do you, this, that, and the other. And I always just tell them, read the, if you want to know, read the book of Psalms. You are going to become acquainted with praise like it is nobody's business. Amen. Another group or category, category or genre of uh, the Psalms is that of the Psalms of lament. Amen. Um, Psalms 27 is an example of a Psalm of, of lament. And these Psalms of lament, usually within these particular uh, uh, psalms, you will see the writer going over uh, some things. For instance, psalms, uh, our scripture, uh, Psalms 27, which we'll be looking into, and we're going to eventually do a deep, we're going to continue with that, but last week I read a couple verses from it. 
starting with verse number one. And you see that on your screen. The Lord is the light of my salvation. Amen. Lord is the light of my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is what? The strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Look at verse number two. When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, mine heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Psalms 27, Psalms 59, Psalms 43, Psalms 17, and a bunch of others. These are Psalms of lament. Amen. You also have another category you've got, or another genre, you have trust. These are the Psalms. Uh, this is where you get um, um, Psalms like Psalms 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Amen. Glory to God. That's a psalm that everybody ought to be looking at and, and reading more and more these days. But Psalms 91 is one of those psalms, amen, that deals with trust. You got Psalm 16, Psalms 11, and Psalm 62. These are also examples of psalms um, that deal with trust. And so you've got these books that are broken out because the writer in this is declaring their trust, is declaring that God is trustworthy. Amen. Glory to God. Then you've got Psalms, you've got Psalms that fall in the category of him. Psalms 122 is another example of that. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together, whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord unto the testimony of Israel to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. That's an example. Psalms 122 is an example of those uh, of, of a hymn psalm. And these were those psalms that were just straight up for, 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 for singing and for and, and for lifting up God. And as we get into it, we'll find more that all of the psalms were meant to be sung. But you did have some that were specifically just for just for the purpose. They were written for the purpose of singing in and of themselves. And these particular psalms um, that fall into the hymn category, you got Psalms 132, you got Psalms 15, you got Psalms 129, you got Psalms 24, wonderful psalms that make up this collection or this genre or this group within the book of Psalms. And these were meant to be sung, meant to be sung. Amen. Glory to God. Then you've got Psalms of Thanksgiving. Amen. Glory to God. Psalms of Thanksgiving. This is another group or collection uh, or grouping that 
the book of Psalms can be divided in. And, and in the book of thanksgiving and, um, or in this collection of thanksgiving, you have Psalms like Psalms 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. I don't know about you, but I feel the spirit this morning. Glory to God. So you've got these praises, you've got this collection or this subset of the book of Psalms that fall into this category of thanksgiving. And, and in here, the writers are taking inventory of the of the grace, the graciousness of God and what God has done. And it's not just Psalm 34 in this, but you've also got, you also have other Psalms as well. You got 107, you got 30, and, and you got Psalms 40 and, and Psalm 75 and, and, and Psalms 32. And all of these make up this collection, this beautiful, this wonderful collection of scripture that covers and talks about and demonstrates, illustrates thanksgiving and the giving of thanks to God. That's why I love the book of Psalms because you learn so much. You learn how to come before the Lord in every situation, in every scenario, in every aspect of life. I guarantee you, if you just begin to thumb through the pages of the Psalms as the Holy Ghost begins to move on you, I listen, I'm not even worried about it. I guarantee you, you're going to find something. God is going to capture your attention like no other. And all of a sudden, whatever you're going through, glory to God, I just feel the presence of the Lord. Whatever it is you got going on, whatever it is that is happening, you're going to find as you go through the Psalms, God's going to show you something that absolutely captures Lord, just the essence of what you're going through. It's going to kind of just say it all. And then you have the other collections as well. You've got wisdom. And, and Psalms 50 is a, a good example of uh, one of the Psalms that fall into the category or the genre of, of wisdom. And in fact, this is, uh, is one of those Psalms that actually was not written by David. Instead, it was actually written by the chief musician, uh, um, Asaph is the chief was the chief musician of David, and he wrote this one. And he said, "The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun to the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be." very tempestuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens and above and the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice and the heavens shall declare his righteousness. Do you hear the wisdom that is found in that Psalm declaring and talking about things that had God not even shared it with you, you wouldn't have even known about it, talking about 
the just all of these wonderful things, the sun, the going down, the rising thereof. We learn about Zion and all of these things. And Psalms 50 is not the only one within this collection. You got Psalms 119. You got Psalms 78. You also have Psalms 19. You got Psalms 112. Glory to God. So you have this division of these Psalms that display and demonstrate the wisdom of God. You take a look at these Psalms and you begin, something begins to emerge in your mind. If you take time and you read this long enough and you stay in an attitude of prayerful study and all of a sudden you begin to see, wait a minute, God is absolutely magnificent. He has thought of it all. You see the wisdom that God has given us in those Psalms. And then finally, you got this last collection or this last grouping. And, and these are these royal Psalms. They're, 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 they would be considered the Psalms um, or the category would be that of royal or these royal Psalms. And, 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 and a wonderful example of these royal uh, Psalms or collection of Psalms would be Psalms 110. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing. And the day of thy power in the beauties of holiness. For the womb of the morning thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. These are one of the royal Psalms and, and Psalms, and, 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 it, and it's a wonderful thing. So you have this Psalms, you have this collection, you've got praise, you've got lament, you've got trust, you've got hymns, you've got thanksgiving, you've got wisdom, and you've got these royal Psalms. And these are some of the further uh, categorizations or um, subcategories that the book of Psalms is broken down into. Um, the first category is these five books, which I gave you a little bit earlier. The second are these, these, uh, the, these, the seven uh, fold subset or sub genres or themes, if you, uh, for, uh, as we would call them, and you've got your praise, your lament, trust, hymn, thanksgiving, wisdom, uh, and royal. And the Psalms, brothers and sisters, cover a host of topics. And in no other book, no other book is prayer and praise illustrated so well. Glory to God. Now that might just be my 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 opinion, but that's the one I am sticking with. I'm don't, don't get me wrong. The praises of the Lord, prayer unto God, can be seen throughout the entirety of Scripture. But in my humble opinion. In, in no other book is it more illustrated so well, demonstrated so well, than it is in the book of Psalms. You see, God literally shows us examples in the book of Psalms. Don't go too fast when you're in the Psalms. Don't just take the Psalms and just, and just run through them. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you, take some time when you're in the Psalms. Don't, don't move too quick. 
don't don't move too fast don't get ahead of yourself and don't make assumptions but let the word of god let it resonate give time for the psalms to soak in and to set in because god literally shows us examples of effective prayer and how to come before him with praise glory to god in no other book in my opinion is it more beautifully uh, and more completely demonstrated than as it is in the book of Psalms. And, 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 and what I love about it is that it gets even better. It doesn't even stop there. It doesn't even stop there. Not even almost stops there. It gets absolutely even better because, and I alluded to this a little bit earlier, especially when I talked about one of the categories, that of the category or genre or theme of some of the Psalms, the category of him. And I hinted to it, and I talked a little bit about it, touched about it, but now I want to dive a little bit deeper into it, is that the collection of, of psalms that fall in the category of him, these are your psalms that were, that were penned specifically for the singing. But the reality is, is that all of the psalms, glory to God, were meant to be sung. Glory to God. Amen. Some of us say, I don't have a good, I don't have a good voice. Brother Walker, I, I sound like a, a crow and a frog with laryngitis. I, I just, I'm just not, I'm just not good. Guess what? God don't care about how you sound. It's the words. And God has given you words that are meant to be the me melody of your heart. And, and it doesn't matter. God's not interested. You Listen, you, 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 you don't need a microphone. You don't need all of that. You don't need a stage and you don't need a platform. But what you need is just a heart that will make melody to God because the Psalms were meant to be sung. They were meant to lift the heart. They were meant to lift your continents. In fact, if you have your Bibles, and I pray that when you come to these meetings, to these sessions, don't come without your Bible. Glory to God. Get that Bible. Dust that off. You need that. That's your road book. That's your map. That's how you're going to get to heaven. You're not going to get to heaven without that word of God, because without the word of God, you're not going to know how to please God. You're not going to know how to worship God. Listen, you listen, we serve a particular God. And, I, and I've said it before. Our God got high class and high text. He don't want just anything. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. That's why you have the books of the Bible. Why? Because that's God telling you what he wants. God knows that on your own, on my own, that I'm going to come up with something ridiculous or what I come before the Lord with is going to be close. It might not even be close. It's going to miss the mark. After all, that is what sin means. It means to miss the mark. And the Bible teaches that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us were born with a sin nature and unaided by the Holy Ghost, being unregenerated or being un or that of not being born again means that you are in your sin by yourself. Now, if I'm in my sin and I try to come before the Lord, all just all in my sin, not being born again, not having the sin issue dealt with, and everybody need the sin issue to be dealt with. But when I come before God and I don't have that dealt with, listen, ain't nothing, listen, all of our righteousness is as 
filthy rags before the Lord. On your own, good is not good enough. So what does God do? Takes the guesswork. This is why he gives us the Holy Ghost. Why? So that your good can get better. So that you can give God what he actually wants. God has saw fit to pin, for those of you who have, according to your collection of the scriptures, 66 books of the Bible. God has given you 66 letters to show you how to come before his presence. Why? So that you don't come messing up. So that I don't come messing up. So I don't come and we don't come before the Lord giving him what we want to give him instead of what he's asked for. There's a whole lot of people. You messed up right now because you are serving God according to your own self-righteousness. You're serving him according to your own concept and your own ideology. Listen, on your best day, listen, on your best day, without the Holy Ghost, you're not going to get it right. You, go, you might get close. And that's a long if. You might get near. But you're not going to get it right on your own. You need something stronger than you. You need something more able than you. You need something more solid than you. You need something more faithful than you. You need something more consistent than you. You need Jesus. You got to have the Holy Ghost. You got to have these you got to have these things. So God gives us his word so that we can get it right. Amen. Glory to God. But I said it gets even better when it comes to the book of Psalms because the Psalms are meant to be songs. A lot of people didn't know this. Turn your Bibles to the book of 2 Chronicles. Glory to God. Amen. We're just going through. I told you it's a lot to learn just in, in the book. We hadn't even got back into Psalms 27, but look at how much meat is here in the word of God. And this is just in the study. This is just an overall study of the book of Psalms. And we're not even going into it as deeply as we can, but look at all the meat that God is, somebody's soul ought to be blessed right now. Somebody ought to be praising God right now. Listen, when the, when the glory of the Lord begins to break forth, and that's what you see when you read the book of Psalms, you see the glory of God breaking forth all over the place. You can't help but praise. But I said the Psalms are meant to be sung. And I ask you to turn to 2 Chronicles. It's in your Old Testament. Amen. Chapter 29. Let's look at verses 27 through verses 30. And Hezekiah commanded to offer the burnt offerings upon the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began. Also with the trumpets and with the instruments. Uh, ordained by David, king of Israel, and all the congregation worshiped, and the singers sang, and the trumpeters sounded, and all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. That's a message right then and there. Look at the praise and the worship that's going on all the while the sacrifices are, are going on. Amen. That, 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 man, that'll preach in and of itself. Verse 29. And when they had made an end of offering, the king and all that were present with him bowed themselves and worshiped. Moreover, 
Hezekiah, pay attention to this. Moreover, Hezekiah, the, the king and the princes, look at what they did, commanded the Levites to sing praise unto the Lord with the words of David and Asaph, or Asaph, the seer. And they sang praises with gladness and they bowed their heads and worshiped. Now, notice what the Bible says here in Chronicles 29, particularly verse 30. So you got Hezekiah, and let me set the backdrop for you. So Hezekiah is now the king of Israel, all right? David is long off the, off the scene at this point. And, and, and some kings have, have come and gone. And now we're in the reign of Hezekiah. Amen. Glory to God. Now, prior to Hezekiah, his father was in power. And what the Bible teaches us, if you read, especially all you got to do is go ahead and read verse, uh, actually read chapter 28. Now, I invite you to do that. I encourage you to do that. You're going to read about the father or the previous king prior to Hezekiah. And you learn about the wickedness. And this man was off the hook wicked. I mean, he had shut up the church, locked it up, cut up the, the, the vessels of God. This, I mean, his, his wickedness just knew no bounds. But now the scene has changed and the cast of characters has changed, so to speak. Now the monarchy has passed from Hezekiah's father. And here we have Hezekiah. And the Bible teaches us that, that, that Hezekiah did right before the Lord, whereas his father did wickedness before the Lord. So now you've got Hezekiah. And the first thing that Hezekiah does is he reopens church. I know a whole lot of us looking forward for the church to be reopened. And you just keep holding on. It's going, we're going, we're going, we're going to get there. But, 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 but aren't you glad? And I know this is just a side thing, but aren't you glad that the church ain't a building? Aren't you glad that it is the born again, baptized believers in Christ Jesus filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm glad that the church is not a building because in the midst of what we going, got going on today, we'd be in some kind of trouble. But I am glad that the church is the people. It is us that wherever we go, wherever we are, we're having church. Some of y'all saying, I wish we can go to church. Newsflash, you having church right now because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is something about the presence of the Lord. But but, but getting back to this, Hezekiah is now the king, and he has reopened the house of the Lord. And what he does is, is that he reinstitutes the praise and the worship of Yahweh, okay? So he brings back, or he reinstitutes, tells everybody it's all right to start praising God again. And what he does in verse 30, him and the princes, or the leaders, or the leadership of Israel at this time is that he commands the Levites. And we know the Levites were the, the priestly tribe. They were ordained or they were separated by God. They were, they were set for the worship and for the service of God. Glory to God. They, they instituted the sacrifices. And the Bible tells us in Chronicles, Second uh, Chronicles chapter 29, tells us that, that in the midst of all of this and them instituting the sacrifices, that the people began to praise and began to worship. Well, in verse 30, Hezekiah and the princess or the ruling body tells us that the, uh, that the Levites were commanded to sing praises unto the Lord. And, but they didn't just do it with anything. The word of God says that the words that they used were the words of David and Asaph, the seer. Now, in the Psalms, we learn that 
and um, and even in Chronicles, if you read back far enough in in First Chronicles, when David is ordering is uh, giving order to the um, to the service of the house of God for the Levites, um, Asaph is put in charge, or Asaph is put in charge of the the music, and so he is the chief musician. But it's here in Second Chronicles that you learn that Asaph wasn't just a chief musician, but he was also a prophet. The word seer, glory to God. And we're going to dig into this. The word seer here, okay, is another word in the Old Testament that refers to a prophet. Amen. So Asaph wasn't just the chief musician, but he was also a prophet unto God. So Hezekiah says to praise, sing praises unto the Lord, but I don't want you to just do anything. He says, but I want you to use the words of David and Asaph, the seer. Those are Psalms. Brothers and sisters, what he literally was telling them was, I want you to praise, I want you to worship, I want you to send this adoration to God, but what I want you to do is not just use anything, glory to God, but what I want you to do is to use the words of David and Asaph. When you read the Psalms, you also find that many of the Psalms, quite a few of them actually, were penned by the chief musician, Asaph. In fact, we read one of them a little bit earlier. Glory to God. They were penned. And so the Levites under Hezekiah were commanded to sing. And the words that they were commanded to sing were the words of David and Asaph. In other words, what he was telling them was, I want you to sing the Psalms. Glory to God. David had Asaph as his chief musician, but he also had him as a prophet. And one of the other interesting things about the scripture or about the Psalms is that many of them are prophetic in nature. God, listen at uh, Psalm, turn to Psalms 149. And I want you to look at verse one, Psalms 149. Because this is, this is some, some good stuff. And we're gonna wrap, we're gonna wrap this up for, for today and we'll continue on. But we, we got to, I just believe God, uh, God has given us a lot this, got a lot this morning. I'm so glad. Aren't you glad that you showed up for class this morning? I'm glad you showed up for class. But turn to Psalms 149 and look at verse number one. Says, God, listen, 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 what, look at God, listen at God's preference. Listen as it's penned by the psalm writer. Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and praise in the congregation of the saints. Listen at us being instructed to praise the Lord. Now, the Hebrew word here for praise is tehillah. Amen. Tehillah is the Hebrew word that's being used here in Psalms 149 for praise. And it means to glory. It means song of praise or songs of praise. But it also means praiseworthy actions. Amen. Now, praise, when we define it, a word that you can use synonymously with praise is that of worship, which is a noun. Amen. Now, and what praise or the sense of what praise means in this scripture, watch how God got this all set up. It means the offering of words or offering words of homage as an act of worship. 
Now, remember what I said. You had a collection of a group, a subset of Psalms that were called hymns. But the Bible teaches us, or the scripture teaches us, that the Psalms were meant to be sung. So even the ones that were not categorized as hymn were meant to be sung. And so, if he, and so in Psalms 149, where the word of God says, praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise in the congregation of the saints. Notice the language of the scripture. And his praise in the congregation of the saints. Glory to God. And praise means offering words of homage as an act of worship. So the praise, the Psalms, not only cover songs specifically these are those that are categorized in the grouping of hymns but remember i gave you six other categories where you see praise and you see lament you see royal you see wisdom you see thanksgiving psalms you see psalms of trust these are words these psalms come contain within them words of homage as an act of worship and so when god says sing unto the Lord a new song, when the word of God tells us here, praise ye the Lord, he is telling you, he's telling you not just the collection of the hymns, but he's saying, brothers and sisters, use it all. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Wow.